0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: Welcome
2: to the latest episode of The Shamrock. I'm Pete Sampson, joined soon by my co-host Matt Fortuna in Chicago. Today on the show, Ryan Harris joined us, current Notre Dame analyst for the radio broadcast, former Notre Dame offensive lineman, longtime pro and Super Bowl champion. Had an interesting conversation with him, sort of about how he's viewed Marcus Freeman's first season, the ups, the downs, the root causes of that, um, and sort of like what that might all mean moving forward. Talked briefly about Notre Dame getting ready for Boston College on senior day Notre Dame right now, at time of recording, at least 20 and a half point favorites with an over under forty-two and a half, which as I look outside my window here, snow on the ground, there's wind in the forecast on Saturday. It feels like it could be kind of a uh, slog of a game based on the conditions. Then again, when it was incredibly windy against Clemson, Notre Dame went out and blew the doors off the Tigers. So hard to say in advance, but um a game not without some potential trapdoors for Notre Dame on Saturday as they look to close out their home slate and Marcus Freeman's first season in charge. And then obviously get ready for USC to close out the regular season with a chance, if they take care of business this weekend, to close out 9 and 3, likely head to the Holiday Gator or Cheez It Bulls. If you've read our bowl projections on the Athletic this week, you know that we have Notre Dame projected to the Holiday Bowl, likely against. Obviously, a Pac-12 opponent. We had UCLA in this week. That also could be Washington. It could be Utah. Uh, we'll see what happens the rest of the way in the Pac-12. But um, Notre Dame with a chance to to close out the season right. And I think maybe for the first time this season, put down an opponent that it doesn't need to play up to beat. Um, I think that's been one of Marcus Freeman's sort of curious blind spots this season is like Notre Dame's inability to to sort of make the opponent nameless and faceless, which is, you know, for the criticism Brian Kelly took from a lot of Notre Dame fans, one of his great strengths was you knew what you were going to get week in and week out against lesser competition. Notre Dame would figure out a way to get by those and often play well doing it. Um, Notre Dame has not quite found that same formula with Marcus Freeman in year one, but I think that might be the most interesting thing on Saturday considering Phil Jakovic will be sidelined by injury uh, and Moorhead, the freshman quarterback from Boston College will take his place if you don't know too much about him, um, I wrote the state of the program on Boston College last summer, talked to John McNulty, their offensive coordinator, who's the former Notre Dame's tight ends coach. He was very eye on Moorhead before the season and the fact that they've trotted him out there um, and he's attempted 40 plus passes each of the last two games. They've won one of them, including a road upset at the very end of North Carolina State last weekend uh, with Zay Flowers, who's seventh in the country in total targets this season. Boston College has enough to like put a little bit of pressure on Notre Dame, um, but ultimately we are talking about a Boston College team that had to replace four starters on the offensive line this offseason. It's fifth starter who was destined to be probably a future first or, or second-round pick, and Mahogany, he's out for the year, so they end up having to replace all five starters. It's been um, you know one of the reasons that Djokovic won't be playing in the game is he's just getting battered week in and week out. So – Notre Dame's front seven against Boston College's run game and general offense, a huge advantage for Notre Dame. But with Moorhead, a big, strong kid with a huge arm, and Zay Flowers, who's Al Golden this week, told me is in the same conversation as Jackson Smith and Jigba at Ohio State or Josh Downs at North Carolina. Um, There's enough that you could see Boston College hitting a few chunk plays against Notre Dame and getting on the board, but um, ultimately – Notre Dame needs to figure out a way to get back to playing to its strengths, which are both lines. Uh, And if both lines play well on Saturday, conditions aside, you would think Notre Dame would win going away against Boston College, even if they don't cover a 20 and a half point spread and obviously head to USC from there. So without further ado, we'll get into Ryan Harris with my co-host, Matt. Uh, Thanks for being with us on this latest episode of the Shamrock next week. Our midweek show will be a little bit earlier in the week. We're hoping to have Antonio Morales, who covers USC, for The Athletic come on, talk a little bit about the Trojan season, which has been a bit of a surprise out there, too. So look for our midweek show next week to be earlier, maybe maybe on Tuesday. Um, and then Matt and I will obviously be back after the game, Boston College, this weekend to talk a little bit how the Irish fared on senior day. All right, let's get to Ryan Harris and my co-host, Matt Fortuna. Pleased to be joined by Notre Dame analyst Ryan Harris here on the Shamrock, a return guest. And, you know, Ryan, this season has been, there's just been a lot to unpack uh, with this year. I think it has not gone to plan, um, but in the same way that, like, the Ohio State-Marshall-Stanford games went a certain way, the Clemson game was the complete opposite. Um, First half of Navy, second half of Navy. So, I guess just, like, big picture before we get into the nitty-gritty of it, like, How have you sort of processed this this season, first year of Marcus Freeman uh, and all the sort of ups and downs that have come with that?
3: Well, I think it's been remarkable, you know, and and removing the highest expectation and the most unrealistic expectation that uh, a coach in his first year competes for a national championship. You look at what this team has been able to build under Marcus Freeman, you know, devastating losses, monumental wins. And, and that tells me, guys, that it, there's really been an issue just in terms of leadership by the seniors. This is where you get those kind of peaks and valleys because clearly the coaching schemes have, have put them in places to win, especially defensively uh, and many times offensively. But it's been the actual player's effort on the field that to me has dictated the, the big swings in joy and pain. But to build a team to persevere through all of that that lets you know that Marcus Freeman is is really working with the player uh, on the field and also their character off the field because you have to have a ton of belief to play the way they did uh, when they beat uh, Clemson. And, and again, to follow it up with a win last week against the Navy. So I think it's been a fantastic year in terms of how you've built the team through the slings and arrows. And, uh, and yeah, they did not get the highest expectation of, of going to the national championship. And many, many great things are still to come under this program.
1: Ryan, in that same vein, you're around the team probably more than anyone else outside of employees. What, what, How's the vibe, I guess? Do you notice a vibe change, whether it's talking to the coaching staff before they play UNLV or Stanford versus before they play Clemson? And, you know, to your point of the peaks and valleys and, and kind of the inconsistent playing up and down to your competition, how have you seen that manifest itself or not Monday through Friday?
3: Well, you know, uh, one of the things that I've seen is players are always kind and, and joking around with each other. So there's a ton of team chemistry. And if you look at what happened, you know, with Braden Lindsay having that great game, really the game he's been waiting for his whole year against Navy. What I loved was seeing all of his teammates celebrate with him because they knew how big it was. Benjamin Morrison against uh, against Clemson, you know those things are were big time games, and you see the team playing together. But the at the end of the day, I think there's two issues that every team, no matter how, what league you're in, has to be six. You need to be successful. You have to identify who you are and then commit to it, right? And early on, Notre Dame did not know who they were offensively. They lost Jack Cohn. They Went to a backup quarterback in the second game because of injury to Tyler Buckner. And then they found the run game, you know, against Cal. And then were able to sustain it throughout the rest since then. But, I mean, you have to now know that that's your offense. And that's where a lot of the, the changeover between the bowl game and coming into this season, you're really looking for more continuity. And you'd ideally love to know who you are. Before you play your first game, Ohio state knew who they were before they play the fruit first game, you know, things like that. Georgia, the same way. And that's, that's just the next step for this program for the players and the coaches. Do you think
2: how much of a struggle it's been for Reese in the offense when it, when it comes to drew pine, because like that, he can do some things, but clearly he's not six foot five. He's not, he's a little mobile, but not Tyler Buckner mobile. Like, it it took a while for Reese and the offense to to accept who they weren't and then understand who they were, Um, where you lean into more of the power run game, even more 12 personnel, sometimes 13 personnel, be, you know, play action uh, focused in the past game. Like, did that just take probably more time than Reese or Marcus probably would have wanted?
3: Of course. Absolutely. And to me, what points to that? Are the penalties? I mean, mm. you look at this offense. Even last week, they had a delay of game coming after a kickoff. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. That's that takes you out of your identity. That takes you out of coaching a player on the actual techniques on a play. And, and I'm forgetting the game. It may have been Stanford, but I believe. But it was either Stanford or Cal in that area. They had back to back penalties on the first play on the yeah, offensive Stanford. line. Stanford. Yeah, yeah, Stanford. So I mean. Yeah. It's kind of how can you, you know, that's a lack of focus and attention on the players. And as coaches, that completely takes you out of your game plan. And, and I know people are saying, hey, Ryan, that's just one or two penalties. Absolutely not. There have been crucial penalties on offense and defense at ridiculous points in the game. And that's on the players. Some of it is on coaches getting the play in. No question. that should, that should delay of games. Those are typically on coaches. And if you're building a drive and get back-to-back penalties, Well, now you're on first and 15 for both of your drives, and that really changes how you can call a game.
1: Brian, how have you seen this offensive line grow and come together throughout the course of the season? I ask that because I think those of us on the outside thought, oh, Harry Houston's back. They've got a lot of starting talent back. Week one, they're going to run it down Ohio State's throats. Obviously, it didn't exactly play out that way, but we've started to see the last few weeks this offense and this offensive line look the way we thought it would. And one more follow-up to that. Uh, how upset are you they were not uh, named a semifinalist with a Joe Moore Award? And we were going to get Aaron Taylor on here to grill him on that, but we got you <laughs> instead. <so. laughs>
3: yeah, well, you know what? Honestly, they didn't earn it this year. And and, uh, and that Joe Moore Award is, is something that matters a lot to offensive lines. And they have plenty of time to earn it still, right? I mean, I, I was talking to Harry Heastan before the Syracuse game, and and he reminded me of how young this offensive line is. Yes, Joe Alt is in a second year starting. He was the fourth tackle last year that got put in, you know, and really had to learn quickly. Blake Fisher, when he started against uh, Ohio State, I believe that was his third start overall, first start right. of the year, yep. and then he had the bowl game, and then he's going to Ohio State. I mean, that's a gauntlet for any tackle in any league, right? So I, I just think that people overestimate the 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 situation and how it affects players, especially on the offensive line. I mean, it's chaos. All three of us. We're screaming at the same time. Hey, left, left, left! Louis, Louis, Louis! You know, now you're moving, and you better get that call right. I mean, so this is something where great teams in college, perennial playoff teams in the NFL, they understand that that offensive line has to be a cohesive unit. It takes time and experience. And finally, guys, they figured out that the defensive line is going to stunt on third and five plus. So <laughs> I'm really happy that they're nailing some of the basics on the way to the high heights that they can achieve. What what do
2: you take out of last? I mean, you've played in Navy games. Like, What do you take out of the offensive performance, first half, second half, that's applicable the rest of the season? And I asked them in the sense of like, do you think other teams will say like, you know what, maybe we should send seven or eight. Um, <laughs> play kind of like a junk defense almost. Um, versus like, what do you think happened last week that's just sort of throw away one off? It's Navy. It doesn't apply to BC or USC.
3: Well, that's the comfortable tendency to just, cast it aside but the way things work in football if you have problems one week with something you're going to see it until you can prove that you can fix it and how this is going to play out is if I'm Boston College I'm bringing the blitz zero not when I not on the first third down not when I need not when it not in the second quarter but I'm in the third quarter if I've got a shot to win the game I'm going to check to that blitz zero and try and scare the heck out of that offense and when you play against USC they're going to be running that same thing the best punch a fighter has the one they don't throw when you play Von Miller and DeMarcus Ware guys like that in the NFL they're not giving you their best move in the first half so Notre Dame not only has to prepare to stop that zero blitz a lot of that's on the quarterback just getting rid of the football understanding pressure's coming but the other part of it is being ready for it at any given time in the game so there's two different awareness points there and absolutely you'll see that again and the other thing too I mean you mentioned I played in it those few people are prepared for the resilience of the United States Navy. And at the end of the day, when you play these service academies, that's who you are playing. You are playing people who are trained to never give up, to find the right answer, to stop you. And that's what Navy did in that second half last week.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily with 24 seven U S based live customer service from discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep.
1: Ryan, I'm sure you know the stats, but Notre Dame touched on her favorite five times this year, lost two of those games outright, failed to cover the spread, They're obviously a three-touchdown favorite against a a pretty underwhelming BC team this year, this week. How do you avoid those peaks and valleys? How do you, as a player, get yourself as up for the the games you're supposed to win as opposed to the Clemsons on primetime and the USC's next week? And is it as hard or as easy as it seems from the outside, especially
3: with the group of 85 men. It's harder, you know, it's way harder. And especially at home. I mean, you're going to have, you're having a situation where, you know, all your friends and family are coming. This is going to be the senior game. You know, you see your mom and dad on the field, you start tearing up. Their mom's crying, dad's crying, you get some flowers. And I mean, so it's a strange scenario to begin with. Uh, and then you got Boston college, who would love nothing more than to get their third win of the season, really trying to beat you. So Um, at the end of the day, to become an elite player in football, it's not about who you play. It's about the fact that you get an opportunity to play. And every opportunity you get to play football, what does that mean? Well, for me, that was playing fast, that was playing physical, that was forgiving myself for mistakes and having fun. And they have to find that individually and as a team because it doesn't matter your opponent. And that's what got them earlier on in the year. You have an opportunity to play your best, and it doesn't matter where the game is, what time of day it is or who you're playing, you have to execute and if the and if the Irish do that, they will win against boston college
2: for the record, you won your senior day forty one to nine against army against uh, you know, you <laughs> my old teammate Alejandro
3: Villanueva, the yeah. eight foot wide receiver <laughs> um
2: Brian Mason in the pump block unit what like what is the deal with this because like like we we're talking about the Cover Zero Blitz, like everyone knows it's coming, and you have to figure out how to stop it. Like everyone knows Notre Dame is going to try to come after your punt. Why is why is Notre Dame having so much success for that? Because I, I cannot figure out why teams can't just figure out how to stop one guy from running free at once a game for the last six games.
3: Well, number one, you have starters on that special teams, and that's a nod to Marcus Freeman allowing that to happen. Mm-hmm. That's probably not happening much at Alabama. Georgia things like that, right? You're getting guys in there who you want to have experience. And then there's the other piece of the opponent looking at two players. You you stand and look at Jordan Batello and Isaiah Foskey. I don't care who you are. You're having thoughts immediately about your safety, right? And mm-hmm. so now you put these kids in who are just hoping not to make a mistake on punt uh, on punt team and here comes Isaiah Foskey and Jordan Batello, biggest men they've ever seen in their lives. And then uh, Mason has also changed the looks. What I loved, especially last week against Navy, they changed the look. So in one, okay, a team saying, okay, Jordan Patel is going to be here. Isaiah Foss is going to be here. Here's how we're doing it. Well, all of a sudden, both those players are in different positions. So not only has Coach Mason schemed to create those openings, but he's sold this dream to the players that w- early on in the season, about what, five games ago now, they blocked the punt. It will drastically change a game, and it has. And one of the magical moments on a team are when a coach tells you something's possible that you've never done, and then you do it and do it repeatedly. That builds tremendous amount of focus and strength. I bet you it's quieter in a punt punt block meeting, punt return meeting than any other meeting on the team, because they understand how significant that play can be, not only to their career, but for the team. Ryan,
1: going back to last week, uh, you shared you and Paul Burmeister's call of Braden Lindsey's catch, and what One of the better calls in the sense that I think you went a minute straight of just g- giggling, like giddy. Like, I don't even think you said a word. Uh, take us through that moment as an announcer and as a football player because that was one of those kind of like, did that just happen
3: kind of plays. Well, first we saw the ball get in the, go into the air, and I'm saying, okay, Braden Lindsey's got a good matchup here. And then all of a sudden, Lindsay starts fighting for even more position into the defender, and I'm thinking, oh, he's going for this ball. I, but then I was expecting him to go over the top or jump. And all of a sudden, he just wraps his hands around quickly. And we didn't see the ball. There's a split second. You know, I felt like as when the space station's waiting for reentry and the shuttle, you know, goes dark for two seconds. That's what it was like. It was like, did it hit the ground? No, he caught it. And then when he ripped it over with one hand, I mean, just the greatest catch I've ever seen. And we were already treated to a fantastic catch with Michael Mayer. I think it was against BYU. He had the one-handed catch, diving catch. But catching the ball, two hands, trapping it against your opponent, hugging him while you do it, and then pulling it apart. I mean, what a play for Braden Lindsey. Uh, and a couple of people were asking me, is it as good as, as um, uh, David Grimes' catch back in the day? Ooh, I don't know. The one but, that got uh,
2: overturned.
3: Yeah, the catch that was ruled not a catch. But I'll tell you what, hats off to Braden Lindsay, the belief it takes. I'm going to go get this football. Timing, trust of your hands catching it, and then few of us could pull a ball away with one hand under duress like that. Just a dominating play at that point in the game. Well,
2: Ryan, we'll get you out of here on this. Um, big picture with Marcus Freeman. What do you think the biggest lessons he has learned this year have been that uh, that will apply moving forward? Where do you think he's had the most growth as a head coach?
3: I think you I, – I believe, just from what I've seen, and I haven't talked to him about it, but what I believe is he's learned you can't leave it up to young men to find their own motivation. You have to consistently give that message and, and prod them into the performance they're capable of. I mean, far more than the NFL. Right. In the NFL, if we don't perform, we're getting released. Our, our finances change drastically. Right. If you're a freshman or a sophomore, uh, maybe you lose a game or something like that. You know, who, who knows? But it really doesn't affect your outcome so what I've seen just from the way coaches have coached the players and the way players have responded, that coaches have taken it upon themselves about halfway through this season to continue to drive the motivation. I mean, last week they showed the miracle clip of, uh, of when the coach was saying, if you lose this game, you'll never forgive yourself for the rest of your life. I mean, those are the kinds of things that you have to do in college to keep the focus of kids who have Instagram, TikTok, you know, uh, dating apps, homework, tests, things like that. And that's something that I believe they've done well down the stretch here.
1: Awesome. Well, appreciate the time, Ryan. Look forward to seeing you this weekend and uh, next week in L.A. Good luck with uh, the rest of the season and your busy
3: schedule. I love seeing both of you back home on campus. See you there. Go Irish.